All right, week 26 of the series of Mark. Grab a Bible, they're, they're in, uh, along the, the aisles there. Um, turn to page 699, I believe. And this week we are going to be um, picking up chapter 6, starting at verse 30. And last week uh, we, we, we had uh, an infant baptism, and it was kind of an, for me an odd service, because not because of the baptism, but because of what I had to preach. And it just so happened that we were preaching about the beheading of John the Baptist on a baptism Sunday. Kind of an odd kind of thing. I felt sorry for the family and the guests who were here this mor- that morning. But God really said, listen, this is important. And all of Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and training and equipping God's people. So preach this message. Be faithful in what, you, what you're supposed to be doing. And so today we move on to John 6, uh, starting at verse 30. And uh, read along with me. And just so you know, um, we are going to be ordering uh, Bibles for you. Um, I don't want to say real Bibles, but the, the Bibles that I have been using, the Bibles that I've been using, um, which is not the NIV, which is what many of you have in your hands, um, we're kind of moving towards using the English Standard Version, which is a slightly different version, exact same thing, same Bible, same inspired Word of God, but has a different approach towards interpretation. So, um, so bear with me. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. You can read along with the New International Version. Read along with me as, as I read aloud, starting at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him, All that they had done and taught, he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So they went away in in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there Ahead of them. Can you see what's happening here? The boys are wanting to take a little vacation. A mancation. And the crowd follows them. And beats them to the destination. When, they, when he went ashore. This is Jesus. He saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, I'm sure in a sarcastic tone, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves 
and gave them to the disciples to get to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they broke up and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. The twelve had just returned from a special preaching assignment and healing assignment. They were given this task of, listen, okay, go two by two, go into the countryside, go to God's chosen people, and preach this message of repentance. Go out and preach it and heal people in my name. In the meantime, news got out that John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, had been beheaded. We're not sure what may have caused the disciples to come back, but there's some scholars who say, word got out, and it's time to come home. It's time to come home because this message that we're preaching, one of the same messages that uh, John the Baptist has been preaching, is not the most popular thing out there. It's time to come home to Jesus and report back to everything, report to him everything that had happened. Whatever the case may have happened, there were remarkable results. It appears, though, that the reports that they were giving did not last too long. But I can just imagine that that time. Jesus is sitting kind of on a rock, you know, kind of doing that meditative Jesus thing, whatever he does. And all of a sudden, the first two come back. Okay, Jesus, you told us to do this. We did it. And, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then another two come up, and they go, Jesus, whoa, oh, do you know what just happened? We, we preached this message, and this whole family turned, and they understood the message of the gospel. It was beautiful, and they had this sick kid, and we, we laid hands on him, and they were healed, and then another two come up, and another two, and they're just going, I can't believe this is happening. But Jesus saw in their eyes exhaustion. They were just exhausted people. They were wonderfully peopled to death by those people who had seen this great ministry. They were just peopled to death. Sharing this message here and there. To the point where even Scripture goes on to say that, you know, they didn't even have a chance to eat. They were so involved in this ministry that they themselves did not have a chance to eat. For they were coming and going, coming and going. In the Greek, it has this repetitive kind of uh, feel to it. You don't get that in the English. But they were coming and going, this repetitive thing. Coming and going, coming and going. And they had not even leisure to eat. And I'm looking at some people who have been with Missy O'Day who are going, I get it. I get it. I feel like my life has been coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. And I'm people to death. I'm people to death. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. This is a lot of work. This is a lot of work. They didn't have even have a chance for a snack. There was not even a munchie for them. Because Jesus said, listen, The only thing that you can go out with is just a staff. Don't wear two tunics, just a staff. 
Don't even carry a, a little money purse along with you or a man purse, a purse. You know, don't even take that with you. You just go out and depend on people. So these people were doing heavy duty ministry. And I am sure that they're coming back going, oh, my, my gosh, my head is just kind of spinning. My head is spinning because I walked into this home. I, I was ministering to these people and it's messy. These people, their lives are just an absolute mess, Jesus. They, they oh, my gosh. And then they start telling stories. It's messy. And you know what, Jesus, on top of that, I am just I'm pooped. I am, I am exhausted. Exhausted. Totally exasperated. Because I am dealing with the personal lives of people. And I wonder if in some of their heads, they said, you know what? This is exciting. But I'm not sure this is fun. Because I'm tired. I didn't get to go out and do my thing that I normally do. I people to death. And they needed time to get away. So Jesus suggested that they take a retreat, a mancation. I love mancations. Little these little retreats for the guys, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you may go to Vegas, some of you may go to the city, some of you may just go out with the guys for a weekend. You know, there's just those little retreats just to refresh and to laugh and to have this. Some of you ladies, you know what I'm talking about. My wife. She gets it. These times to get away from Paul. She loves him. Me. She loves our kids. They're beautiful. But there's those times where I need, she needs, just these times to get away. And Jesus even recognized this in His disciples. He said, listen, we need to get away. And the Gospel of Luke says that they withdrew to Bethsaida, which is near the, where the Jordan empties into uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's a, it's a solitary, an isolated place. There's not much that is going on. They were going to be refreshed. I'm sure they got into the boat and said, here we go. Kind of relishing in that afterglow of ministry. Exhausted and pooped. Some of them were probably starting to doze off as typical man, men do. Hand in the pants, just going, oh, let's just relax. We're going on a break. We're going to a deserted, solitary place where no one is going to bother me. We're just going to breathe. So this incident reveals that Jesus recognizes, Jesus recognizes His disciples' need for rest. Jesus saw something in these men and said, they need a rest. They need a place. We cannot serve 24 hours a day, seven days a week without rest. People who do ministry need to take time for themselves. And Jesus' words come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while just kind of goes to and encourages the weary laborers, the weary people who are just tired, exhausted, and says, come away. But this incident also reveals, and I think this is kind of that frustrating that Jesus says, okay, you need to take some time away and you just need to rejuvenate, you need to fill your soul, you need to 
care for you. You need to do some soul care. Maybe you need to do your nails. Maybe you need to have a beer. Whatever it is. You need to do that. You need to rest, relax, enjoy. But here's the other thing. This instant also reveals that when we try to get away, we often find more hungry people, both spiritually and physically. And the need can be just overwhelming. The need can just be overwhelming. And we're often tempted, and I'll speak from my own personal experience. When I am tired, when I am pooped from doing ministry, when I am peopled to death, I just, I look at Caller ID and go, I don't have it in me. I put down the phone. I look at the email and go, oh, dang. I am exhausted enough. Or you see that person coming and you're going, time to hide. It's time to get into another conversation because I know what's going to take. It's going to take more of me. And I pooped. <laughs> this is coming from a pastor, a professional religious person, you know. And I'm supposed to be, I'm paid to be godly, you know. But there's that, that part in me that is just, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But Jesus seems to say, listen, even on those times that you go to find rest, you are going to encounter even more hungry, desperate people. When Jesus landed on the other side, what he saw was a large crowd. Here at the end, at verse 44, it says, 5,000 men were fed. There, there are accounts that say, um, that's not counting children. That's not counting the women. It can go up from seven to 10,000 people. So word got out about Jesus. And He was the hit. The disciples had just gone out and preached this gospel of repentance and said, change, turn, see Jesus. This is what it means. And people are excited about what is going on. And when they are trying to escape, five to 10,000 people are there to greet them. That is not a vacation. That is a burden. But Jesus had huge compassion for these people. And what He said is that He saw them and He had compassion on them for they were like sheep without a shepherd. The first thing that we see about Jesus is that He meets the needs of those who come to Him with compassion. And that's one of those words that I'm not sure that we really get. You know, some of us may sign up for Compassion International and we may adopt a kid and pay our 32 bucks a month. Basically, we just put it on the debit card and just feed our kid. But Jesus said, no. Compassion. This deep sense of Oh, stirring deeply within. There was this, it's an intense word which really has its roots in the ancient Greek, meaning the viscera, the, the stomach. The New Testament had this original sense, but added the idea of tender emotions. So something was stirring in his gut. And he add to that just a tender emotion for the people. 
He felt it in his gut. So deep was his compassion for people. And he saw thousands of shepherdless people, defenseless, lost, and unable to feed themselves. And so he began to teach them many things. More exactly, he taught them at great length. Makes me feel good. He ta- Jesus taught them at great length. The people were sitting and just hungry. And he taught them a great many things at great length. The image of Jesus as a good shepherd is just prominent. It's, it's huge in this, in this feeding episode. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer, during uh, World War II, uh, wrote a book called uh, The Cost of Discipleship. And this is what he said about the plight of the people without a shepherd. It says this, There were questions, but no answers. Distress, but no relief. Anguish of conscience, but no deliverance. Tears, but no consolation. Sin, but no forgiveness. What is the use of scribes, devotees of the law, preachers, and the rest, when there are no shepherds for the flock? What's the use? If there's nobody there to care, nurture, and provide for these people. To have great, deep compassion for the people who are spiritually and physically hungering. Jesus is really knocking on the the spiritual leadership of the day. And if you were a Pharisee, if you were one of the spiritual leaders of this day, you would have heard something in Jesus' tone and Jesus' words from Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 uh, the prophet is speaking to the, the priest of that day. And he's saying, listen, this is, this is it. This is really kind of a jab in the junk. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, this is what the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have you been feeding but yourself? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And Jesus is looking at this crowd of people with deep compassion and saying, you're you're without a shepherd. You're without shepherds. You're without people who really care deeply for you, who feed you, feed you spiritually, who feed that sense of community, who feed you physically, who feel that the stomach with real food and spiritual food. You are without shepherds who care for you. And maybe for some of you, you're going, okay, maybe you memorize, if you're from church, that church background, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He restores my soul. He leads me beside streams of water. And this is a picture of the good shepherd saying, I'll be the shepherd. And he's modeling to his disciples, this is what shepherding looks like. The problem with the religious leaders is that they were not doing what they were meant to do. What he saw was were spiritually and physically hungry people wrapped up in all kinds of religious red tape. Do this, do that. Come to the temple, offer this sacrifice. Do this, do that. Don't walk this far on a Sabbath. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, all these kind of laws and rules, but yet they were not feeding the hunger emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I'm sure that if Jesus would look at us today, Missio Dei, the church of Jesus Christ, he'd probably see the same thing. Jesus recognizes both needs, spiritual and physical, and moves to correct them. But then he encounters his disciples. He encounters his people. The disciples, you know, kind of, they're the bean counters. Even though they just had this great experience, they're the bean counters going, come on, Jesus, get real. We're 12 guys, 10,000 people. You're smoking something. This is too much for us to do. Now, what you need to do, listen, the sun is starting to come down. It's probably about, the sun's going to be down at 6 o'clock. It's about 3 o'clock right now. If you disperse these people now, send them to the villages, they can get something to eat. They can feed themselves. And Jesus is already going, are you serious? Don't you have this compassion? They're sheep without a shepherd. They're here. They're here now. And you want to do what? You want to send them away? And Jesus gives us this huge thing. Jesus had a better idea. He said, you. You give them something to eat. In the Greek, the word you is emphatic, and it's an imperative. You give is imperative. You. You give them something. You give them something to eat. And they just shot back real quick. What do you want us to do? It almost take a, a year of a man's wages to feed all these people. We don't have that kind of cash. But Jesus is still saying, you, you feed them. You feed them. You go out and do this. And it was an astonishing command, and it's still an astonishing command for us today. Where Jesus is saying, you have a responsibility to feed and care for people. And he said, how much do you have? Go see. See, they quickly looked at their own going, okay, we've been traveling around with you. We don't have anything. 
In fact, you told us to go into these villages and receive nothing from the people, but just live off of their kindness. We have nothing. And Jesus is saying, you're not very resourceful. You're not very creative. And you're not trusting in me. Go see. And what they found were five small barley cakes and two salted sardine fish. The impossibility of the situation was again firmly established. And all the disciples were there to witness it. Five loaves, Jesus. Two fish. That's again all that we have. It's even good for us to understand our limitations and our weaknesses. Because there can be no mistake as to where the power is going to come from. God says, yeah, you're right. Five loaves and two fish is totally inadequate for you. It's totally inadequate for your human hands. But let me tell you something. I'm God. In the flesh. And I want you to trust me. Not what your hands can do, but what I am able to do. And I think some of us would sometimes voice that same thing. And even me, as I look at our young church, I go, God, there is no stinking way. There's no stinking way that we can ever financially even make it. Especially when I think about three weeks three weeks ago, we had an offering collection of $23. Dear God, $23. And God says, serious? You're right. You can't make it on $23. But you know what? Watch me. Watch my faithfulness. Watch my ability to take your five loaves and two fish and do something miraculous. It's a message for all of us. And the church has been called out to go into the world to do something about these problems with five loaves and two fish. And we are called to minister to the spiritual needs which are at the root of many social problems and extend that aid to those who are in need. So everywhere that we turn, we find a need of a hungry crowd and have little or no food. And Jesus says, you, you give them as the church something to eat. James from uh, his, his gospel or his gospel, his epistle says this from James two. he says this, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And one of you says, and this is, he's speaking to the church, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That's a kicker. Especially, you know, that's me walking downtown. I did a mancation a couple weekends ago. And walking down Michigan Avenue, and I see 
poor people begging. What? Something stirs in my heart and just going, man, what can I do for you? Then the other part of me goes, you got yourself there. Good luck. And James is saying, listen, your faith, your deep faith in Christ is worthless garbage if it does not have the works to back it up. The action. Are you going to be faithful in that? And John 1, 3 says this. 1 John 1, 3 says this. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. The disciples or followers of Jesus Christ are always, 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 always servants of others. Always servants of others. Called to feed the sheep, not just ourselves. And the lesson is clear for us. And we've got to remember this. That there will always be enough food. There will be always enough to feed those who are in need. And Jesus was in his midst and surrounded by his disciples. He takes this bread. He lifts it up to heaven. And he says this prayer that he's been taught ever since uh, as being a young boy. He said, blessed are you, Lord, God, King of the world, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then there was like a resounding amen from 5,000 people. You know, they're probably watching going, I'm at the front of the line. Break the bread. I'm up in, fr- in front. And then in the Greek, it says that Jesus gave this bread. It, it's, it's in the imperfect tense. And that probably means absolutely nothing from, for you. But the imperfect tense basically means it kept on happening. It was not completed. It wasn't perfected. So Jesus gave the bread. So he took this piece of bread. It kept on breaking this little piece of bread. And, kept, and the disciples are going... Schnikes. Five loaves. Ten thousand people. And they had meat to go along with it. He kept on feeding and kept on feeding. Jesus can do anything. Think about it. Jesus with a word multiplied the molecular structure of those humble barley cakes and pickled fish. Jesus multiplied the molecular structure. And some of you are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. He multiplied the molecular structure and keep, kept on breaking it till everybody had enough. And at the end, it said they were satisfied. Jesus taught them a great number of things at great length and He fed them. He cared for them deeply. Because he had compassion for the people. But before we say we've counted and we don't have enough, we need to venture out in faith and help people.
We do. The small band of people gathered here. We're called to venture out in faith. A God-sized faith. And say, we do have enough. And we can help. And we are called to help. Because faith without works is dead. It has no substance. When the Christians on average give about 3% of their income to the church and even less of their time in direct ministry, we know that we do have enough. We do have enough. But we're holding it back for ourselves. 3% of our income. The average person. 3% of their income and of their time is in direct ministry. And Jesus says, you go see what you have. Why don't you take account of what you really do have? Bring it to me and watch me multiply it. Perhaps we really need to begin looking closely at this Jesus who is all too familiar to us. Perhaps if we recognize that Jesus really is the King. Perhaps a miracle that we cannot explain will happen if we look closely at who Jesus really is. This passage confirms that compassion combined with God's bounty and power can meet the spiritual and physical needs of people. So you heard this morning that we're doing trick-or-treating for canned goods. Perfect timing. We're the people of God. Called to feed the spiritually and physically hungering people of our world. You're going to hear next week about our Advent program called Advent Conspiracy. I'll just give you a little bit of a glimpse. Advent Conspiracy is challenging you to be a non-American. America spends $450 billion every year on Christmas. $450 billion. It takes $10 billion dollars to give clean water to the entire world. That sucks. That we spend that kind of money and we have a closed eye to the hurting and the impoverished. And we're calling you to respond to that. Where you rethink about how, who you're worshiping during the Christmas season. Not worshiping consumerism and not worshiping presents, not worshiping family traditions and getting off your, your horse of, well, what about my family? They don't get it. I've given enough to them. <sighs> Serious? What are you worshiping in that? Encouraging you to worship Jesus more fully. And on top of that, to spend less 
to give more and enjoy richer community in that. You're going to watch a video next week and hopefully you're going to say, yeah, there are people that I cannot see who speak languages that I cannot speak. I'll never meet them, but I will show the love of Christ. Maybe it's just one present. Maybe it's one present per person. Maybe it's totally changing our Christmas budget and saying, we're called to be compassionate. We're just rocks our gut. And I need to respond.